episode 231 of Global From Asia. Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. Thank you for tuning in. I'm doing our introduction today in Kathmandu, Nepal, a very beautiful, quiet place, unlike many places I have normally been. So today actually is an interesting podcast, a little bit different than what we normally talk about. It's more in the lifestyle category. Get another fellow location-independent entrepreneur, blogger, business owner, and hustler, Chris Osborne. He's doing amazing things and has been out here longer than I have. And it's really a pleasure to get him on the show. We're both new fathers and uh, family men looking for a new place to live. And of course, we get many, many questions on our social media and email boxes. So we were chatting about it and we thought, hey, let's do a podcast. So we each thought of seven points to discuss that were important to us when we found a new place. He picked his new place, I picked my new place. And we hope that this is a useful podcast for new family members that want to continue to live abroad and challenge themselves and provide for their family as business owners try our best to do. So it's going to be a great show. Also, we just had an amazing webinar. We're working hard on EWU trips and many events in China and other parts of Asia, as well as a cross-border matchmaker, October 12th. So if you want to check all of that out, we have those linked up in our show notes. But you can always remember globalfromasia.com slash events to get many different experiences is what I'll call them. Okay, enough of that. Let's tune into the show with Chris Osborne need unique content for your business? Who doesn't? At contentinvestments.com, there's a network of writers ready to write unique blog, product review, and other articles for your business. As the saying goes, content is king. Check it out today at www.contentinvestments.com where you can subscribe for one-off articles or monthly subscriptions. Check it out today. All right, thank you everybody for tuning into our Global From Asia podcast. This is going to be a fun one. We have a uh, first time on the show. We've talked many years now. Chris Osborne, a, a another internet entrepreneur, world traveler, and father of a father of a you know moving family too. So thanks for coming on, Chris. Oh, thanks for having me, Mike. Great. And how how can we? Do you want to share a little bit more about what you're doing? Yeah, sure. So I've been working online and traveling full time for about 14 years now. I've spent the majority of that time in Asia, in particular Thailand. So I'm I'm married to a wonderful Thai lady. We had a son close on three years ago. Um, So we've just been spending the last three years trying to find out where we're going to settle down. And, uh, you know, that's when I reached out to you. I thought... As you're doing the same thing, you're going through the same process that we yeah. could, uh, this could be a fun chat to have. It, totally, man. It's great. We are, uh, we're, yeah, we're in similar shoes and, fa- you know, fathers and also, you know, online business owners and. Right. I, I think the, pro- it's almost, it's like one of those first world problems, you know, I, I think we have t- too many choices, which is, I guess, a good problem and some, some, unfortunately, I don't think everybody listening uh, or not everybody in the world has that many choices. So I, I guess right. we should both be very appreciative that we have these choices. But uh, sometimes there's, I forget the word, but there's too many choices. So it's uh, there's like a saying for that or decision fatigue or, or something. Like I, I guess right. the, the first is like we have so many choices. So, um, so I think for today's – yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think we are both extremely lucky to be in this situation. Yeah, so something that I think about all of the time. Um, every day I wake up, I pinch my skin. I'm like, wow, I'm doing, you know, I've got a remote job that allows me to live anywhere in the world. It's, uh, it's, it's a huge privilege to have, and I know that not many people out there have this. So definitely something to be appreciative of. Yeah, it's totally true. I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's... I think we're both make, make, doing our best, though, by just employing people online. I, 
we work online, so I think we give a lot of jobs to people online too. So that that's our yes. one of our ways to contribute back. I mean, I think you're also into crypto quite a bit. I I see, and hopefully, crypto and other ways uh, out there, new technologies will give more opportunities. I think we both agree. I think. I think it's not just about entitlements. I mean, I think the old way was entitlement based on where you're born and, and things like mm-hmm. that. But I, I think the, the new world is, uh, which is why some, I think governments are maybe upset, but, uh, you know, it's not just based on where you're born or where you can work and what you can do. So it's becoming more and more, I think, uh, fair for people around the world. But Yeah. I mean, if anyone's got access to YouTube, they can go on and start to learn how to code HTML, CSS, right? Yeah. Um, and fourteen years ago, there was no community of remote workers moving around. Um, it was very hard to meet people like myself. Um, yeah. Yeah. But but now, um, yeah, the community is huge, and I only see that growing. Um, you know, a plus for both sides, right? Remote wor- workers can work where they're most happiest, and on the other side, companies get to choose talent from all over the world instead of one specific geolocation. So it's a win-win all around. Um, I'll definitely see that growing. Agreed. I, I think one thing that's newer is where you and I are, we're, you know, as, as, as new parents and still yeah. wanting to keep this lifestyle, I think this is maybe what I'm noticing on the internet too is you've said you've had other people asking you questions. I get a lot of people asking me questions. So I think maybe this is a newer frontier is, digital nomad families <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and that's what we're going to be talking a lot about today but uh yeah i mean it's definitely i mean i think of course i, I hope you i think you agree it's great to be a, a father or a parent and uh but of course it's a life changer in so many ways you know? it is it is so but i think it's more positive than negative for sure i mean well, i don't say negative Absolutely. but there's of course things you have to give up yeah right yeah yeah um and it's the best thing that's ever happened to me, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, becoming a father, it does change life 360. But you know, I think we've proven that you can still have a lot of fun, uh, and still go and see the world, and uh, still work hard. So, um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to diving into this today. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's go in. So we each wrote down seven points, and we haven't shared them with each other. Just uh, I recently chose Thailand. Uh, which you spent a lot of time in. I haven't, I haven't spent as much time there as I had would have liked, but uh, make a move out of China finally. And uh, I think you're, you're safe to say you've chosen Barcelona, right? It's, Correct. Yeah, yeah, so you've chosen that. And I think we want to kind of compare maybe notes or some just also help listeners yeah. understand the thought process or the different factors that we looked at. So um, I guess we can go point by point. And yeah, sure. Do you wanna do you wanna pick start with your first point? Yeah, my first point was uh, schooling. Okay. So, good schooling was probably at the top of our list. Like in my mind, and I'm really generalising here, but um, most expats in Asia consider the best schooling to be in Singapore and Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. I don't know uh, what you think about that. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would agree. With that, um, so I, yeah, I mean, we're gonna, I don't know, I guess we're both gonna expose a lot here. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I've, uh, yeah, I have to, yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess this will be a valuable show, but I don't know, I guess it's a mis- I guess I'll say a mistake I made. I never went to permanent resident or I never even filed residency in Hong Kong. I've always lived on the other side, on Shenzhen's right. side, and I, I have a work permit and I'm a, I'm a legal resident of mainland China under a company I established there. But I, you know, I don't get the entitlements of education in China as a, my kids are both U.S. citizens. I had to choose. You can't have dual citizenship uh, in Amer- as a, in mainland China. I think if I had had the kids in Hong Kong, they could have been Americans in Hong Kong. Ah. So wow, that's another layer of complexity. Yeah. So this is, this, right? this, this is a, I've had some friends that are Americans or even, you know, of course, it doesn't be American anywhere in the world. They have their children in Hong Kong, but actually cracked down on the bringing your mainland wife, mainland Chinese wife into Hong Kong to have kids. So right. I kind of missed it a little bit. I, I, 
I remember when That's I. That's interesting. Yeah, when I found and out. My yeah. son was able to get Jordan and some of the British, uh, UK, and also Thailand. That's awesome. Yeah, so I feel like it's a little bit of a, uh, you know, like, it was such a tough choice. <laughs> uh, I guess, you know, so when I found out my wife was pregnant, you know, where I was, I remember, of course, you probably remember when you found out too, and, uh, I remember some of my friends were like immediately saying, get in, get, get your residence in Hong Kong. And so you can have the kid in Hong Kong and then he can be dual resident. If he's had a kid in China, you have to choose us or, or China. And it's not right. about, it's not about the U S side. It's about the China side. They don't allow, allow it. So I guess back to the education part. Um, if, if I had them born in a Hong Kong and had Hong Kong residents, they could have gotten a free public education in Hong Kong. But I, don't know so much about Singapore, to be honest. I've just been here once or twice. And of course, I read a lot online, but <clears throat> I think a lot of my friends in Hong Kong still use don't use the free education option in Hong Kong, even if they have mm. the ability. Just like the free healthcare, I think it's probably similar even... I mean, even in the U.S., I went to Catholic high school. I mean, I went to free public school, but I went to private college and Catholic high school, personally. My parents didn't want... You know, of course, I could have gone to free high school and, like, state college, but uh, or public high school, technically. So I think a lot of my Hong Kong friends, local friends and expat friends still pay for the uh, more expensive private schools in Hong Kong, which they, I guess there's nothing wrong with it. I don't want to offend anybody. This, you know, this is going to be tricky. <laughs> yeah, this, this episode is going to be tricky. tricky. I, I, yeah, so I, I would have still had to go to the expensive. They're really expensive too, and I don't, I don't know. Yeah, so I think the general consensus is that the local schools in Hong Kong and Singapore are pretty tough on the kids, right? So yeah, they're yeah. really fast-paced and they're expected to you know, just learn, learn, learn. Instead of, like, there's more of a focus on learning and uh, results mm -hmm. versus playing and learning, that side of life. Yeah. Um, but the international schools, both in Hong Kong and Singapore, from you know, just from what friends have told me, are a little bit more tamed down, but you've got the, but you've got the high price, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the high price tag associated with it. So okay. they're very expensive, like, like in Thailand too. So, you know, private schools in Bangkok are very expensive as well. Yeah, um, there was. I mean, I went to like. In, I was I picked Chiang Mai over over uh, you know I, I didn't really look at too many places in Bangkok for schools but uh, they have it Singapore International School in Bangkok and in Hong I think most places a lot of these have these uh, Hong Kong or Singapore International School options in Asia but uh, like you said I could feel the strictness in the in the Chiang, Chiang Mai branch of the Singapore style in school like, you could just feel it when I was doing right. the tour and and uh, and even they would tell me that so. Um, some people That's like it, some people, I guess it's, a, you know, it's of course a culture and a parent and a personal preference, but I think you and I feel we want a little bit more loose and creative, I think. Yes, <laughs> loose and creative, yeah. And I think that that's one thing that Barcelona gets right. You know, a, a great lifestyle in Barcelona is is a high priority. Um, so the schools that we've visited over there, they, they've got a lot more fun and creativity time in their day-to-day -day classes, especially especially at the early stage. Um, so at first we had had envisioned putting our son into private school in Barcelona. But um, after talking to a few parents over there, um, they were all like, trust me, don't do it. Send them to a local school, um, especially at preschool age, so they can learn the language. So. You know, as you know, kids, kids at two or three years old are like sponges. So mm -hmm. um, a couple of years in preschool learning Spanish, um, you know, should set my son up uh, for life, right? So, so a lot of parents regretted sending their kids to private school at, pre at preschool um, in Barcelona because they had a, a more difficult time later on in life in making new friends because of the language barrier. Yeah, so we decided to go that that option. So preschool will be a local school, and then once it's, you know, full school, it'll be private. 
Yeah, we're, we're we had similar. I mean, so my my son is uh, four, so he's just finished K one and in China. So it was actually a Hong Kong school with a Shenzhen branch, and oh, okay. yeah, w- with one English class a day, but uh, I didn't feel that was enough. Um, and some of my friends do that, but yeah, I mean, they speak really good Mandarin. My I have a four year old son at at the time of this recording, and uh, a two and a half year old girl, and so the girl's not yet in school anywhere. But yeah, right. but uh, I could also but- feel like. It was very local feel. They didn't really have that strict Hong Kong style there. Does your speak? Uh, sorry, does your son speak fluent uh, Mandarin and English? I'd say more fluent Mandarin and uh, right. basic English. I mean, sometimes he can't. I, I'm the only English speaker at the house, so um, right. I try my best, and sometimes he gets lazy. I can because I can kind of converse in Mandarin, but I try my best not to with him because I want him to practice English. But mm. uh, it's definitely lack lacking on the English side. So some of my American friends that have their kids there, um, just one or two, but they uh, they send their kids to their grandparents in America for the summer for summer camp, and ah. I I don't know I don't really I don't know if I'd want to do that. So that was another factor. So we had to. You know, I think uh, we're recording this in summer, so we got fall season semester starting. So we had the pressure to decide to re-enroll or to make a move. Got you. So the school term starts um, under the your most places in Europe. Um, it starts in September, mm. early September. Yeah, that's what we thought, and and at least the small schools in Thailand. I don't know if it started in mid mid or even early August so the, the school is starting August 13th and there's like a orientation August 10th which is like really early but they said that's normal in Thailand but then they said oh don't worry you could a lot of our you know American or Western uh, parents and families they don't they stay in the summer over in the west and then they still come back in September so you could just start a couple weeks late I'm like I don't really I don't know I mean it's kids first day you know I remember I was my first day was important so you know yes yeah, I do agree with that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's a tough one, right? Like, is, you're ready to put your kids in the first aid, and that would be, uh, you know, that would be the preferred option. But uh, if you're just not in that position, then, yeah. Yeah, it's really hard. <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> guess is, it's, we just got to try our best, but. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh but yeah, I guess for me, I also had education high on the list. Uh, I guess maybe one of my differences on my point is I, I'm still trying to stick in Asia longer. Um, right. I'm not as long as you. I'm at about a little bit over ten years, mostly in China. But you know, I, I didn't really even, to be honest, I didn't even look. I, I guess for me as an American, a lot of my American friends when they have kids go back to the U.S. because they can get free public education and other ideas. But I. I didn't. I personally didn't want to do that. Um, uh, we can talk about that. Or I just yeah. Um, I mean, likewise, I didn't want to go back to my home country, I in the UK. Um, yeah. That was never on the list. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Um, uh, do you want to go into why? Uh, I guess you know. Why? I guess I. I guess. There's a long, long, short why. Like I guess every point here is tricky, but I guess the real reason is, um, I guess I also want my. I guess I could learn Chinese anywhere, but I want to maintain their Chinese. Of course, I have I have a mainland Chinese wife, but she could say she could keep that learn Chinese. But I think it's really hard if it's just one parent and. So it just seemed like even in Thailand or even other places, even we look at Philippines and uh, I'm in Malaysia now, but. There's definitely a lot of Chinese influence in Asia more. Of course, there's Chinatowns and other things in other parts of the world, but it just seemed like there wasn't a, a lack of like China and Asia influence. And uh, and also for my my business stuff, I mean, I still do a lot of Asia-related re- type business. Right. So that's the short answer. But I guess I also like it. I guess, you know, like, I don't know about you, but like, I guess moving... 
it's hard because you want to make the best decision for your kids, but also you kind of want to. You want to be some, happy too. Yeah. Right? So one of my yeah. friends at a bar says, you know, if you do something for your kids, only for your kids, and you're not happy, and then you're going to be like that miserable, angry father on the on yes. the sofa watching TV, drinking beer, eating <laughs> bad food, and then like yelling at your kids for no reason, and you know, it's not going to be. If you're not happy, then it's going to also make them not happy. Is kind of the way I thought about it. So. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. So yeah, that's the, a, that's a point on mine. Do you want to pick another point, or we can talk about that? Yeah. So, what was the point on your list? So I do think price. I I don't know. I I always want to still have a lower price lifestyle. Um, right. I guess it's probably a negative. A lot of people, you know, there's a coconut cowboy stories or the you know like lowering your costs a lot of people a lot of my friends are nervous that i'm leaving china thinking it's just cost i mean one thing is cost i mean china's getting really really expensive uh you know it's in i think i mean everybody's gonna talk about a collapse in china economy but i don't like to call it but i feel like in the next couple of years something's gonna have to something's gonna have to change there but um it's just getting out of control expensive to, in my opinion it's not maybe at Hong Kong Singapore levels yet at least in the ma- mm. major cities but but uh, I just feel more comfortable when the price of most of my things around me are, are not extraordinarily high you know right yeah that that's one thing that sucks about moving to Barcelona is pretty expensive it's not on the same level as London but it's you know it's in the top five most expensive cities in Europe for sure I think um, oh no, no, sorry. Minus the Nordic countries, but yeah, housing there is pretty expensive. But on the other hand, dining out, um, a bottle of wine. Uh, yeah, I you, you know, so there's lots of other. You know, there's more parks there, so um, definitely balances it out. But yeah, accommodation is very expensive in Barcelona. That does suck. Oh man. Uh, do you have a? I don't know. We can take turns or. You want to pick up yeah, sure. So, uh, well, one of the points that was really high up on the list for us was living in a walkable city. So, we spend a lot of time in different places, and some cities we just seem to go out and walk a lot more than others. So, for example, Bangkok is terrible for walking, it's very humid. Um, the the sidewalks are, are not very clear and not very well maintained. Um, it's often dirty, um, so we find we tend to find ourselves taking cabs everywhere, which is a real shame. Um, but Barcelona and pretty much most of Europe, on the other hand, have beautiful sidewalks, really big. There's crossings at each of the blocks where the cars actually stop and you know there's no there's there's not much humidity uh, so it's actually a joy to walk and I, I mean for example when we're in Europe we walk we average about 10 10 clicks a day nice in when we're in Bangkok and most of Asia um, we don't you know we walk a click a day so it's like huge difference and that's one of the reasons why second on the list from Barcelona was Fukuoka mm. in southern Japan so that was that's another great city for walking just seemed to walk everywhere there and um, so that's that was definitely one of the points that we talked and considered for sure nice yeah Japan is amazing I've I've only I have still only been to Okinawa but okay, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I hear great things from all kinds of friends for sure, and uh, so I guess I feel like that's a that's a drawback. I picked Chiang Mai, and there's I didn't pick the the the, the expat like eight six or seven block, you know, that bar the the Maya Mall area. I'm a little bit further away, so it's true. They definitely are all saying I need a motorbike or a car. I tried walking, and everybody was like laughing at me when I. Because I would walk along the highway, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was there like, pleasant, right? yeah, and there's bikes just like whizzing by me, and uh, so it's definitely not not walkable there. And I I do feel like that was one thing in China I had I could 
there's markets everywhere you can you could walk around quite a bit. Hong Kong, I guess, would also be high on the walkable. Um, if yes. you're on the Hong Kong Island side, there you can walk. Actually, there's it's so many people. But it's still crazy. It's <laughs> hyper, know? right? Yes, that's another it's thing. A, it's not a, a pleasant experience, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true. You walk because uh, it's it's convenient, or you want some exercise. But saying that, that, that if you travel to a place in Hong Kong, you can find some beautiful hiking trails and uh, walking trails that are really, really nice, right? So yeah. we wanted to live in a place where we open our front door and it's beautiful to walk uh, no matter where we go. That is uh, something I'll, I'll probably have to miss a little bit where I'm going, but... I did have I didn't have walkable on my list, but I call I called it centrally located. So maybe I'll I'll lump that with with yours. I just said like easy to get to airports, major hubs that I do business with. So right one uh one on my wife's list that I don't want to say wasn't really on my list is Nepal. We're actually going to be going there next week. Uh, okay, interesting. But, uh, she's very getting more and more into Buddhism, um, and there's a temple and a map Buddhist master that she she's following or I don't know what even talking to online and she's uh saying that but I mean you know of course I didn't choose it so we've already chosen Thailand but I think she one of the major factors was the centrally located part on the list because I I told her you know I might have to travel she can stay there with the kids or you know with others but I might have to travel sometimes and uh it seems very far to get anywhere there so right I at least needed centrally located for like Easily, you know, get get taxis, go to airports, um, things like that. I've never been, um, so it's hard for me to comment. Yeah, but here it's like, um, a, like I'm guessing you you're considering Kathmandu. Yeah, Kathmandu. It's like a city that it's not really like a, a modern city. Um, yeah, it seems like they even pretty wild out there. The economy is um, like going down. The GDP's mm. gone like negative or something like this. Um, so yeah, right. I, and then uh, I read a book. I sometimes lately I sometimes stop reading blogs or sometimes if I want to learn something, I just bought a book on like moving to Nepal, like on Amazon, a Kindle, <laughs> and I read it. Uh, on, you know, I read it in like afternoon, and and it was like a tip. It's only two years old. It says tip. Make sure you charge your phone and your hotspot regularly because when power outages happen, you can use that as a hotspot. I'm like, man, I don't. That's not like. Uh, I, it was like 2015, I think, written. I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't know if I really want to have to have a my hotspot charged for power outages. Like, uh. do you know Matt Goat? I don't believe so. Okay. Um, he's a buddy of mine that spent about a year there, I think, awesome. learning Buddhism. And so I can put you in in touch a bit later today. Sure. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'll be there in a couple of days after his recording. So, okay, cool. Very cool. So, let's see the next point. So, I guess we you talk about walkable city. I I kind of matched it with centrally located on my list. Um, you want to go through a point, or I can pick one. Go uh, on. Feel free. So mine was wife enjoys it. <laughs> so right, that was a monster. Story. <laughs> yeah, uh, actually, this whole moving story came as an idea from my wife. Uh, so sometimes, if it's her, I you know I think I'm learning to be I'm learning this whole marriage thing, and I think the wife is always right or some happy wife, happy life, something like that. <laughs> so, so, but I think it's going back to what you said earlier. You know, like. Everyone in the family needs to be happy with where you settle. Right? It needs to. It, you know, it should be a group decision. Otherwise, my feeling that it just won't work out. So if you if everyone's happy on the location, I think you've got a much better chance of making it a success. Yeah, yeah. So for her, I guess she, you know, I she said she could move to the U.S. or something, but I'm already noticing that she's having trouble on this trip, you know, she's very still used to mainland China using Chinese apps. You know, I think, you know, everything is blocked in China. So she, she doesn't really know how to use even Facebook and other tools that well or grab right. app and things like this. So 
it'll still be an adjustment even in Thailand. But I noticed when I, was, when I was there, I think you'd agree, there's so many Chinese, mainland Chinese tourists there. She was striking up more conversations than I was with people. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's loads now. I think they account for like 80% of tourism that uh, are coming into Thailand right now. I think that was the figure that I read online. Makes um, sense, yeah. I think. I mean, there were some restaurants that only spoke Chinese, I feel like. I just tried to speak to the guy in English, and he he just like looked at me weird. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, nice weather is another one that I had on my list. Okay. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, while I do enjoy having seasons, I want the majority of the year to be warm and pleasant Um, in countries where it is warm and pleasant I generally find people are more upbeat about life and that goes for us as well so um, nice weather was definitely on the list how do you feel about that? yeah I I feel like I should have had that on a list maybe internally in my thinking but yeah I I've always been looking for places. I think one of the big benefits for being, you know, like location independent or digital nomad or online business owner is that you can choose where you like to live. So I think I don't really want to live somewhere where it's snowstorms or I don't really like cold weather. So yeah, it's true. It's, it's something I'd agree with. I I missed it on my list, but um, yeah, I would uh, I would agree with that for sure. I mean, although. I grew up- Oh, I grew up uh, just outside of London, and it was grey, you know, nine months of the year. Grey, drizzle, a little bit of rain. It was cold for about six months of the year. It's horrible. Yeah, I, I don't know why the colder cities, like in New York, I mean, I guess there's some in California, Southern California, but it seems like the older economies, the stronger economies, just like have winters and cold seasons and Mm. I mean, generally, of course, I'm very broadly speaking here, but it's Japan seems, too. Yeah, it seems like I guess when it's cold, people are inside working or something. I don't know. But mm. uh, yeah, weather should have been on my list. I, I, um, but I guess one that I put after living in China for so long, I'm like, I need internet that works. So <laughs> you know, I sacrificed. Oh, actually, I moved there when it wasn't wasn't that bad. Actually, I moved there before. There was always a great firewall, but I think. I was living in China when Facebook was working <laughs> and Twitter was oh, working. Wow. They blocked all that in 2009, August or something like that, when there was all the Middle Eastern uprising and the whole green, green face. Uh, green. I can remember that, yeah. Remember everybody's Twitters were green? It was like, that was when the Chinese government was like, okay, we don't want people to make green faces and overthrow <laughs> us, so let's block all this stuff. So... Yeah, I mean, basically, that Thailand has definitely got super fast internet. That was a negative in Philippines. I don't get the infrastructure there. Like, I wish the government could, because uh, they're not trying to block stuff. They're just, I don't know, like, I mean, even in the major cities in the Philippines, like, it seems like electricity and internet is still, like, a struggle. Right. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I, we haven't been anywhere recently where they've had slow internet, so I guess... That's why it's not on my list. <laughs> so I guess you have the weather and I have the internet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Take it for granted, right? <laughs> yeah. When I've had it for a while. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, what was the next one on your list? Food. I mean, healthy. Oh, right. I have food too. Okay. I. So one of the actually other negatives of China is like, Every other month, I feel like my wife says, don't eat chicken now. There's some kind of a chicken scandal with they pumping drugs into chickens or the next month is pork or the next month it's uh, fish or something like or vaccines is the latest scandal. I just right. yeah, want to have like natural, healthy food that I like to eat and that I don't got to worry about. Thailand is great for that. Vegetables and fruit. It's in an abundance here, right? So, yeah. So I had vibrant, vibrant food scene on my list. Yeah. So we, we've uh, both buying great products at the store or the, or the 
farmers markets and also being able to go out and connect with like really interesting young chefs that are doing um, interesting things. So I love talking to chefs. You know, I've got quite a few friends that are chefs. So I just when I'm not working online and not in crypto, that's who that's the crowd that I like to hang out with. So a, a vibrant food scene was was on my list. Nice. Yeah, like I guess I'm I'm not as much of a foodie, but I guess maybe but the, just a, the selection, yeah, of course, Thailand is a, is a good one for that. But I think Barcelona's got awesome food. Like you mentioned, the wine and the, the street culture. Like I was there a couple summers ago, and it was, like, amazing. The the people are out until, like, I don't know, when do they sleep in Barcelona, right? Like they're eating and <laughs> drinking until, I don't know, like 2 o'clock in the morning, something like that. Maybe? It is crazy, yeah. So restaurants typically open there, like, 7 or 9 p.m., like for dinner. Um, so that's going to take a bit of getting used to. We're normally, <laughs> you know, we normally have dinner at five or six o'clock. So, you know, our boy's in bed by eight, nine. Yeah. Um, so that's going to take some getting used to. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's the food capital of Europe. I really do. There's, there's so much amazing produce there. Um, so I'm looking forward to, awesome. to diving in more. Yeah. That's great, man. Yeah. So. The next one on my list is a big one. You know, it's probably one of the biggest ones on the list is visa issues. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah I mean, let's go ahead. That sucks, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I mean, this, what we talked about very early in the conversation was, you know, like, some people aren't as fortunate as us, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, even for us, uh, yeah, this is, a, this is still a factor. Right. Because my wife is tired, she's pretty limited to where she can go, and even for travel, unless she goes to the embassy and applies for a visa and so on. And that's even more so if she wants to settle down somewhere. So there are a few ways to get around that. One is setting up a local company mm-hmm. and having my wife as like a partner. Also, there's so some countries like uh, Hong Kong and Singapore they could offer like a dependent visa mm-hmm. based on me having a company but you know what we've gone with is Europe so while the UK is still in the EU uh, um, you know, she can stay there on the basis that I'm a member of the EU right well that sounds simple it really isn't <laughs> we must have spent like wow Five thousand dollars on this, maybe ten thousand. Mm. It's, it's crazy getting documents translated, uh, certified. Yeah, so it's been a nightmare at both ends, both in Thailand getting the necessary documents, and also on the Spanish end getting uh, local tax numbers, getting meetings that take four to six months to set up. Yeah, so um, that's one thing that. I hadn't really anticipated that it would be like this much of a hassle, uh, but it is. Yeah, I mean, hopefully this this one this point goes away a longer term. But yeah, it's I I guess for me, I mean, I have a um, I even you know long term in Thailand or Southeast Asia it seems tricky for a lot of expats. I mean, of course they do the visa runs and stuff, but I don't feel like doing that. And then my, it's way harder for my wife, Chinese wife. And so we're trying to do the, uh, what we're filing now, uh, can keep people posted and keep posted, but we're doing the, uh, dependent visa on our kids education visas. So, okay. So, I'm hoping it's okay. There's there's some requirements about capital. You have to have in a Thai bank in your name. Mm. Uh, you have to pay the full year up front for the schools. Um, there's some certifications. So Wendy, my wife, can't uh, enter. Well, we're going to keep – she's going to wait back in China while I go with the kids. I'm taking her dad. So her dad's going to come with us for a few months, her, her grandparents, grandfather. And she's going to – well, I should settle some stuff in China anyway with, you know, things we got to do. But I hope she can come sooner. But yeah, this is a little bit uh, worrisome for me. We're filing it now. And, uh, okay, so your kids get edu- education visas, and then you get dependent visas from those. That's what the multiple schools told us, and we have. Okay. This... I've never heard of that before. 
Yeah. It, um, but yeah, it kind of makes sense, right? I know that adults can get education visas here. So that's one way around that um, expats get around staying here long term is they can sign up for a Thai language school or a Thai boxing school, get an education visa that allows them to stay at a year at a time. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. I mean, I was willing to do that, but since I'm paying, the only, of course, there's some challenges with, um, you have to have money in the bank every year when you renew a certain amount, I think 500,000 baht per person, per parent uh, in their in their own name for at least a month, I think. Like really? That. Ah. That's I don't know if that's true if the adult is um, on an education visa. Got and it. most students are broke, right? So yeah, exactly. That, that wouldn't kind of make sense. I um, guess we could look into that later. I mean, especially if Wendy has issues, but uh, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, I mean, of course, there was some worries, you know. Other countries, even for even for me, you know, like uh, you know, even Western passports are tricky in some places in the world, or not long, not meant for long term. So yeah, like that's how I stayed in China so long. A lot of people think I, I had like an a visa, a spouse visa under my wife, but I've always had a company, like you said earlier, like registering a company there and uh, you can employ yourself or get an investment visa, something like that. So right. that's how I've been able to stay long-term in China. But yeah, long-term visas is, is tricky. I mean, of course, especially with Western passports, you know, a uh, you know, tourist visa on entry usually is pretty easy for everywhere. But if you want to live or stay long-term, it's where it gets things tricky. Especially when you become a parent, you don't want to fly your whole family like every thirty days or ninety days for visa runs or something. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I've been doing it for a long, long time. So I get yearly visas for Thailand based on our marriage. Uh, Great. But still, even though I get a year visa, I still need to leave every ninety days. Um, yeah. I think there are systems in place where I could go to an office and get it stamped. On the other hand, Thailand, and I'm guessing anywhere else that I'm going to stay for a bit of time, um, because I've been moving around so much that I think it will be kind of a blessing to like be forced to do a little trip every 90 days and uh, get out and refresh the brain from... Um, true, true. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah. Thailand's a weird one, right? So... I love it here. Um, I love the people. There's so many cool things about it. But after a while, the little things start to annoy me. Uh, then I do feel like I need to leave. Uh, but yeah, then I, mean, I come back and then I'm all refreshed and I love all the positive things again. But that's just because I, I, I think that that will be true no matter where I'm located. Yeah, I think it's true. I mean, I've, I've been hearing that too from other expats in Thailand. Is Yeah, after some time... It, Get some some things get a uh, yeah like annoying I guess is the word. Cool. I yes. mean, this cool. is fun, man. I think I got my most of my points. I don't know. If yeah. Uh, the last point I had was English speaking a plus. Yeah, I guess I would keep that there. I mean, that's why I'm leaving China. I think so. Right. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why we didn't opt to opt for Japan. Um, the, the learning curve there was just too steep, uh, and language being one of them. Got it. So we visited Fukuoka to go and check out some apartments there, but we couldn't even organize a viewing. Um, <laughs> just it's a simple thing like that, like being able to go and check out a few apartments was really difficult because we didn't speak Japanese, and the agents that we went to saw didn't speak any English. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why we kind of crossed out that out of the list. Mm. Cool, man. Awesome. Well, yeah, I think uh, I think that covers most of my my points. Right. And, uh, and uh, thanks for coming on, Chris. I think this will be a very helpful podcast for many digital nomads and families that are are uh, going through the same process we're going through in the future. I guess, yeah. is there any summary, or I, I, mean, I guess I got some points, do you want to? Sure, guess some, you go first. I guess basically, 
like you like we've been kind of leaning towards. Of course, there's my you don't want to just look at a mathematical formula, right? Like it's your life. Mm, so mm, I think mm. there's going to be some trade offs, and I think there's great good and bad things about everywhere in the world. So I think it's always a common discussion at bars and you know restaurants with friends is is talking you know sometimes complaining about some factors where you're living or where you are and some of the good things and the grass is always greener on the other side right so you know well mm. you know i have friends people on the internet contacting me about china right now and I'm, I'm on my way out but you know and they're excited about it so i think just trying to enjoy the try to focus on the good things and make the best with some of the negative that's it um I totally agree there. Um, I think it's all, all to do with the mindset as well. Like, um, wherever you live, if you're creative and positive around your kids, then, uh, you know, no matter where you're located, they should have a great upbringing. Mm -hmm. uh, there was one other point I was going to say. If I was to do this again, I would have organized this before my son was two, two and a half. No, say two. Yeah, two. So... Uh, I feel a little bit guilty that I hadn't confirmed and closed the deal um, of where I was going to settle um, six months earlier, that's for sure. Yeah. So if there's any fa other families listening, I would get all of this wrapped up, um, you know, by the two years old um, instead of three years old. Yeah, I agree. I mean, well, sometimes it's hard to know, like, until they're, for me, like, I was thinking of staying in China longer. I mean, I already have the immigration stuff sorted and the uh, business stuff sorted, but but uh, so I, you know, I guess in the, yeah, I'm transferring kid out of you know it's gonna be harder for him. But mm -hmm. so, but yeah, of course, the sooner the better for everyone. And, and but I guess you know don't feel stuck. I mean, actually, I was even, a lot of my friends are always talking about homeschooling, and I don't know, we didn't talk about that on the show, but it seems like, you know, even when I was in China, some of my friends were saying, hey, let's all pitch in and get a teacher and rent an apartment and, you know, have six or eight of our kids in us in a private, like, kind of homeschool okay. system, but I guess you and I both want the traditional type of school system, right? I guess, I mean, I we didn't talk about that, but... Yeah, I do and I don't, so... I do for the social aspect, you know, I think that that's really important, but I do think that most education plans are flawed in quite a few different ways, and they could be improved, right? They haven't been, um, I haven't, re they haven't really changed in 50 years, right, from, from what I'm learning. So, do you know that Elon Musk set up a school for his kids? Wow, I didn't know that. No, I kind of, there's a great article on it, so I can send that over and maybe you can link this in the show notes. Sure, of uh, course. Yeah, it's really cool. So, yeah. like, the, like, the thinking was, um, if you're going to learn about a car engine, most kids would open a book, they'll see the car engine on the page, and they'll learn from, you know, that way. Where he wanted to create a school where... He comes in, the teacher will put a car engine on the table and say, hey, let's dive in and learn. Oh. <laughs> like for me, that just sounds like it's, it's such a more productive way to learn from mm. doing. Right? Um, yeah, so I'll send you the link. Sure. Uh, but on the other, on the other hand, you know, the social uh, aspect of schooling is really important. I mm. think anyway. Yeah, this mine too is... I also want the, the social part. Some of my friends that do do homeschooling say, oh, you can s totally just get that, you know, but just schedule that as part of, you know, the system, but you know, after school or weekends, stuff like that. But yeah, I think you and I are in a similar mindset with with the social part of a traditional school. Yeah, highly beneficial. Awesome, man. This has been a great oh, show. Yeah, I appreciate your yeah. time. Thanks and, for having me on. And also, just people can find you online. I and I think it's kintu.co, right? It's, I'll link that Correct. up. Correct. That's my personal blog. And at Kintu Labs on Twitter. Okay, at Kintu Labs. Awesome. Well, it's also on, on that website, too. We'll link them on the show notes. So thanks so much, Chris. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to have you, and I'm, I'm happy to have you on the show. Thank you. Take care, Mike. Cheers. 
Are you looking for a Hong Kong agency to help you with your upkeep or registration of a Hong Kong Limited? Check out Unipro Consulting Limited. We are an equity partner in the firm, which is a local CPA practice that has the accreditation to register and upkeep your Hong Kong company. Check us out on the web at www.uniprohk.com. www.uniprohk.com. All right. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It was a little bit longer than normal, but we shared a lot of information and insights and uh, didn't hold back. Hopefully we don't offend anybody. You know, I think we're just trying to keep things real here as uh, location independent business owners and travelers and content marketers and sharers. So I'd love to hear what you had to say. Also, Vanessa, shout out. Thanks for your care. I know she's surprised I'm leaving Shenzhen. It is a huge move for me over 10 years and uh, heading down to Thailand. But don't worry. We, As I mentioned in the introduction, we have many amazing events and experiences and partners in, uh, in China to provide events and experiences and trips to educate and connect our amazing community here. It's almost five years for Global From Asia. And thank you so much for listening. I really, really appreciate it. And, you know, I hope you've grown your businesses over the years. And I hope that uh, you enjoy these shows. I always appreciate feedback. Of course, reviews on iTunes supposedly help with the iTunes gods and other things. So that's all I got today. I'm going to go out to the temple and make my wishes for for things. My wish is to make Global From Asia an even more amazing platform to help people. We have our help platform, help service, our memberships, and our, of course, podcasts and free tons of free stuff. If you do enjoy this thing and what we're doing, you know you can always support by going to an event or joining our membership. There's plenty of ways you could also contribute back to this community to support it, to continue it as we reach the five-year mark. It's uh, so many amazing people, and we really love what we're doing, and we hope you love what you're doing, and we are pushing forward. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.